Welcome to the PAS Report Weekly Roundup Podcast. The PAS Report provides an honest analysis on the critical issues that matter to you without the biased media filters. Here's your host, Professor Nicholas Giordano. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the PAS Report Podcast. This is your host, Nick Giordano, and I want to thank you for tuning in this week. I hope you're having a great week. I enjoyed providing live commentary on last night's Democrat debate. And we did this through Hot Mike. It was really interesting because it was the first time I ever provided commentary while an event was going on. And it wasn't easy, but I think we made the debate actually more interesting, more exciting. So maybe we'll do it again. And when looking at the debate, there were no winners on that stage. Nobody shined. It did not move the needle at all. Most of the candidates were rehearsed. Nobody talked of any type of substance whatsoever. The one thing I took away from the debate was the fact that we are really bad people. We're all racist. We have all racist institutions, and we are horrible, horrible people. That's what I took away from the debate. So I don't think the needle moved at all. And that the, the last question, the idea of the biggest misconception about you, that's, that's where you could actually won the debate. Had Bernie Sanders came out with a joke and said that the biggest misconception was that he's not a socialist, that would have been hysterical. That would have won him the night. Had Elizabeth Warren said that her biggest misconception is that she's Native American, that would have won her the night. Because there was nothing else. There was not one memorable thing about this debate. And so we're going to go into South Carolina. And I think that in South Carolina, I have a feeling it's going to be pretty close between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And so really, next Tuesday will tell us a lot. It's about Super Tuesday. So I want you to stay tuned to the PAS report. I hope you enjoyed the commentary along with the debate. It was the first time, so it was a really interesting experience. And I hope uh, we do more of these events. The Democrats, the media, how they're all losing their minds, and maybe they already lost their minds. Who knows? You know, once again, we're hearing the Russia accusation being hurled at President Trump. And at what point will these morons stop with the Russia nonsense? I mean, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about Russia after four years. And President Trump is not the only president uh, person in the race that's facing Russian allegations. Comrade Bernie is also being labeled as a Russian agent. See, the Democrat establishment, they're trying to do whatever they can to prevent Bernie Sanders from being the party's nominee. And what these morons don't realize is that the more they target Bernie, the more likely he's going to win the Democrat nomination. And this will set up the ultimate showdown for a 2020 race. It will be so distinct, the differences between the two candidates and where the future of the United States is going to lie. Will it lie as a capitalist free society that embraces the concept of liberty and freedom? Or will we start to become a socialist country where we're willing to give up some of our liberties so that the government could provide social benefits in the name of equality, which will never happen? You don't get equality doesn't exist even in socialist societies but we're going to discuss all this today before i begin always if you want to go see the show notes go to pasreport.com pasreport.com and sign up for our newsletter so just when you thought we were done talking about russia just when you thought that it was finally over president trump didn't collude with the russians that's been proven the Mueller investigation showed that the democrats find another way to inject them and now it's about the 2020 election and I don't think these people realize that they play right into the hands of Russia every single time they do this. That's the amazing part. And it's like, you know, when are they going to get some common sense? When are they going to become smart enough to realize this? Because for the last three to four years, we've heard these endless accusations about Trump and Russia and collusion. We spent millions, tens of millions of dollars investigating what Russia did in the election. And 
if there were any ties to the Trump campaign. We branded people with the scarlet letter, a big R on them. And if you defended President Trump, if you sat there and defended some of President Trump's associates, you were stigmatized. You were branded with an R. And the amazing part is that you had so many people that were hurt by this, so many people that went broke and had their reputations destroyed, trying to defend themselves, ultimately vindicating themselves against these allegations. And yet the the Democrats and the media are still doing it. In the end, it turned out there was no there there. After an exhaustive investigation, you had a few people be charged with perjury, lying to federal officials. And even those charges are questionable. You have people like Michael Flynn, General Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Roger Stone. And a lot of people would argue that the government inappropriately targeted these individuals, set perjury traps for these individuals. And that's the only reason that these individuals were even charged with perjury. We know the investigators severely abuse their power by lying and misleading and falsifying evidence to the FISA court. We know that. And now there's reports surfacing that there may be some criminal referrals for those who are on part of Mueller's team. Those that were tasked, the special counsel tasked with investigating Trump-Russia collusion, well, now there's questions about the attorneys and whether or not they lied and misled courts. This is insanity, my friends. Insanity. See, we don't have all the reports but the details, there's indications that the original statements made by people like George Papadopoulos were actually changed, changed, that's illegal, and then presented to a court in order to get warrants. Now, ask yourself a simple question. If there was a connection between the Trump campaign and Russia, why would investigators have to lie? Why would they have to mislead? Why would they have to manipulate evidence? You would think the media would be jumping all over this, but of course they're not, because it doesn't fit their BS narrative that they've been spewing for the last three years, even though this would be a far greater threat to the system. And it's amazing because so far this week, do you know how many stories I've heard about what, what's President Trump going to do in India? Because in India, they don't eat meat and cows are sacred. And, you know, we, we get nonsense stories like that from the media, but God forbid they investigate whether or not the people on the Mullah team, on the special counsel's team, actually lied and misled courts. Media shows no interest in reporting that. And now the media is reporting Russia is once again meddling in our election. And even worse, they're already saying it's because they want President Trump to win re-election. And that President Trump is a tool of Vladimir Putin. I'm not joking here. I am not joking. These morons are seriously deranged. Take a listen to this. It's official. Russia has endorsed the re-election of President Donald Trump. The Russians are coming again. The Russians are into, into interfering in this election. Here we are again, Evan. Russia trying to interfere in our election, apparently to benefit President Trump. The Russians are coming. Yes, they are. And they're coming again for their main man, Donald J. Trump. The president is a Russian operative. That sounds like the description of a bad Hollywood screenplay, but it is real. I mean, can we just stop? Come on, let, let's be honest here. Can we just stop? You would think that the media would be thoroughly embarrassed at this point. Time and time again, they were wrong. You would think they would start to be a little bit more careful in their reporting. And unfortunately, I have to monitor all the media outlets. Unfortunately, I watch all the channels. And I'm just wondering, for any listeners that watches these channels, at what point do you say, just the ordinary average person, wow, they've been wrong on literally almost everything as it pertains to what's going to take down Donald Trump? to what's going to be Donald Trump's Achilles heel, to everything Russia they've gotten wrong. At what point do you still trust these news organizations? How many stories have had to been retracted over the last three years? How many bombshells were there that ultimately fizzled out and proved to be totally wrong? It's now at the point of absurdity. 
So the media is basing their reports from a New York Times article and a Washington Post article. And if you read both articles, here's the interesting thing. Uh, So the intelligence community provides a briefing to Congress. And in that briefing, apparently the intelligence community and Congressman Adam Schiff say that Russia supports the president's re-election. When you actually read further on, you see an anonymous source from the intelligence community says that they don't have any evidence. They don't have direct evidence or intelligence that says Russia supports President Trump. Amazing. And apparently during the hearing, a Republican asked, what evidence do you have to support the idea that Russia wants President Trump to win? And whoever was given the briefing said, we don't have that evidence. Really? So what the hell's the point of the article and why is the media running with this story? It truly amazes me how dumb these people are. First of all, anything coming out of Congressman Schiff's mouth, that should be an immediate red flag. The guy lies more than Pinocchio. And secondly, people need to realize there is a difference between election meddling and then election meddling in support of a candidate. There's a big difference. And you need to understand that difference. See, the media can't break it down for you because they're too invested in trying to bring this president down. They're too invested in Russia. I think they're the ones that are colluding with Russia. And you have a lot of people that suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. And yes, I'm starting to think it's a real syndrome out there because they can't tell the difference between what's true and what's not. They can't step back for a minute, take a deep breath and look at things in a logical way. I mean, first of all, it's no surprise that Russia is trying to manipulate and meddle in an American election. Russia has been doing this for decades. This isn't something that's new. This goes back to the Cold War. It's called espionage. And you do it through sometimes releasing propaganda. But I think that people are missing sight, including the media, of the bigger question. If Congress was so concerned about Russian election meddling, if they were so worried about it, I mean, remember, these are the same people that for the last two years said Russia meddling in our elections can bring down this republic. This is the biggest threat to the republic. These same people said that Russia meddling in the elections was like a 21st century Pearl Harbor. That's a direct quote. These same people said that Russia meddling in the elections is akin to an act of war, an act of war that we should essentially go to war over it. Now, it's been three years. What has Congress done about it? If they knew that this was going to occur again, why hasn't Congress taken any realistic measures to prevent Russia from doing this? I mean, it's easy to see coming. They do it every election season, and they're not the only foreign government that does it. And these are the idiots that have been screaming about Russia for three years. So if they're that upset, why haven't they done a damn thing? That's what I want to know. And there are only two obvious answers to this. Either Congress is completely and utterly incompetent, which I think we can put a check mark by that, or Congress really doesn't care about Russia. And it was all BS to begin with. And I think that's also true. I think both of those statements are true. And the same goes for the intelligence community. The intelligence community had three years to prepare for an American election. So what active members did the intelligence community take over the last three years? I want to know. We should have a right to know what active measures they're taking to counter Russian election meddling. So they obviously haven't done anything if they already see Russia trying to penetrate elections. But I'm going to tell you what's really going on because the media will lie to you and the establishment certainly going to lie to you. So I'm going to spell it out for all the people out there, for you, the average person out there. And I'm going to spell it out for the dumb people in the media, the dumb establishment candidates, and anyone that doesn't clearly understand that the whole Russia thing is nothing but a hoax. I'm going to lay it out for you. First of all, there is absolutely no way 
Russia wants President Trump to win the election. It doesn't make any sense. Take your biases aside, put them out the window, look at it from a logic stand, logical standpoint. Anyone that has any knowledge of how the international community works knows that nations are competing for power. That's what all nations want, especially the large nations. Power is the foreign policy. So it's in Russia's foreign policy interest to gain power and influence throughout the world. It's in our foreign policy's interest to maintain our power and influence. Now, power is a zero-sum game. So that means that if in order for a nation to gain power, another country must be losing power. So in order for Russia to gain power, the United States must be losing power. And that was happening from about 2005 to 2006, all the way through 2017, Russia's power had been increasing. Their influence around the world was increasing. However, since 2017, Russia has lost a significant amount of power, and most of that power was lost because of United States policies. We actually gained power. See, power is measurable. You can measure power of a country, and you can do it with a variety of factors. You know, you got to look at the military strength, the economic strength, political stability, the education levels, the age and talent of the population, geography. There's a number of factors. And, and Russia has been losing power over the last three years. And you want to ask the question, well, why has Russia been losing power over the last three years? Well, let's look at United States foreign policy over the course of the last three years. The United States implemented extraordinarily strict sanctions on the Russian government and Russian government officials. We directly targeted them. That weakens Russia. We forced NATO allies to begin investing more in their militaries. We want the NATO allies to meet their end of the bargain. And we forced them to put in 2% of their gross domestic product into military expenditures. Once again, the more money that's spent on NATO and European militaries, the weaker Russia becomes because it's not as big as a threat to Europe at that point. We killed hundreds of Russian mercenaries inside Syria, which virtually gets no attention. I mean, ask yourself logically, if President Trump was a plant of Vladimir Putin, why would we kill Russian mercenaries? We provided enormous amounts of military aid to the Ukrainian government, including deadly weapons, the javelins. I know you all heard about that because we had endless hearings on impeachment. And here's the thing. The deadly weapons were not delayed. They were not delayed, as the imbecile Congressman Schiff wants you to believe. Those actually were not delayed. They went right to the Ukraine. We marginalized Russian allies like Iran and Venezuela significantly weakening those countries. I mean, if you look at Iran right now, Iran is at their weakest levels in the last 20 years. If you look at Venezuela, they're extremely weak as well. Now, these are significant allies to Russia, and if they become weaker, so does Russia. See, Iran owes Russia billions upon billions of dollars, but because of the sanctions that we put on Iran, because we forced all countries around the world to take a decide, are you going to do business with the United States or the Iranian government? Iran, their economies collapsed. And guess what? If the Iranian government's essentially broke, how are they going to pay the billions upon billions of dollars back to Russia that they owe? How are they going to do that? We've increased our military spending by 22%, $133 billion in the last three years. And this money is designed to upgrade all our military hardware, our military equipment, purchase new equipment, and prepare for the 21st century battlefield. Increasing our military might directly makes Russia a weaker country. Russia can't keep up with our military investments. I mean, we literally spend 10 times more than Russia when it comes to military spending. 10 times more. Russia's military budget is about $70 billion. Ours is $700 billion. 
Think about that for a second. But most importantly, probably the single most important thing that allows us to gain a significant amount of power over Russia is the fact that we became the largest oil and natural gas producer in the entire world. That's the key. And if we want, we could flood the markets with oil and natural gas. We could crush Russia's economy. Not in months, not in weeks, but days. So now put your biases aside and do you really believe that Russia wants the person who implemented these policies to remain in office? Would that make any sense to you? Or do you think they would rather someone who would be easier on Russia? Once again, just use common sense and logic. It doesn't take much. It's not rocket science. But unfortunately, there are so many people who let their emotions drive them and they lack any common sense whatsoever. Because if they had common sense, then they would realize this. So what's the intelligence really showing? And I have people that are like, you can't question the intelligence community. Well, guess what? I actually can. First of all, it's the right of any American to ask questions of any government agency. And it doesn't mean I'm diminishing the work that they do, the hard work day in, day out they do, especially for the rank and file. It's the political hacks I have a problem with. But more importantly, I have several years experience in the emergency management and homeland security arena. And if you take my work in that arena and add it to my experience with international relations, I would say I'm pretty damn well-versed. I've conducted country profiles. I conducted threat analysis, intelligence assessments for large-scale events. And I'm able to utilize the levels of analysis to try and understand why a country behaves the way it does and why they make the decisions they do. More importantly, it allows me to try and predict what a country is likely to do. See, I understand Russia and Putin well. These, they're easily predictable. It's actually far easier to predict what Russia is going to do than it is to predict what a country like France is going to do. Now, as far as intelligence goes, as I said in all the articles, there is not one U.S. official that says that there's actual evidence that they have intelligence on record that Russia wants President Trump or any other candidate for that matter, because we'll talk about Bernie Sanders in a few minutes. But what I really find amusing is when I have morons tell me, you think you know more than the entire intelligence community? Now, no, of course not. Of course not. I'm not in a position to get the raw intelligence data. But these same morons that criticize me ha- have absolutely zero clue how the intelligence community works. They have no idea what a work product is. And they were the same ones that were screaming and yelling about WMDs in Iraq and how the intelligence was wrong and the intelligence was manipulated. Okay, now intelligence is an art. It's not a science. Intelligence can be wrong. And it can also be weaponized for political purposes. Remember ISIS? Remember them? I know, we eliminated a lot of their territory. They still exist and they're still a threat, but they're not as much as a threat as they used to be. But remember ISIS was never supposed to be a threat? Remember the intel communities said that ISIS was not going to take over territory? That we didn't need to worry about them? In fact, the whole idea of ISIS was actually downplayed. See, the rank-and-file intelligence officials in the field, they were screaming and yelling. They were warning about the growing strength of ISIS. They were warning about it. But their intelligence assessments were being changed and manipulated as it was funneled up to the political hacks in these departments. Because guess what? It didn't fit a particular narrative that GM is alive and Osama bin Laden's dead. See, the narrative that Islamic extremism wasn't a threat really wouldn't work if you start raising the alarm bells about ISIS, would it? If you're sitting there trying to say that Islamic extremism isn't a problem, well, you can't do that if all the evidence is showing and the political hacks present the real evidence to show that they are a threat. And so they changed it. They were changing the initial intelligence assessments to fit the narrative. And that's why President Obama called ISIS the JV team. 
What about North Korea? In the late 90s, North Korea was supposed to be decades away from developing a testable nuclear bomb. Even as early as the early 2000s, many dismissed the idea that North Korea would be join the nuclear weapons powers. And then on October 9th, 2006, North Korea tested their first nuke. But they weren't supposed to do this. And they also weren't supposed to be able to develop an intercontinental ballistic missile, an ICBM. They were supposed to be decades away from that. In fact, under the last administration, we were told that they were decades away. Yet on July 4th, 2017, make no mistake, that day is on purpose that they tested it. On July 4th, 2017, North Korea conducted its first successful test of an ICBM. And the intelligence was wrong. See, intelligence is not always going to be right. And many of the intelligence, many of the assessments are seen through the eyes of the beholder. Sometimes they're going to be manipulated for political reasons. And as I tell my students, question everything. Like, I don't understand why people are so scared when you ask questions. Even if you agree with the subject material, you should be asking questions. We should be inquisitive because we should hold people accountable. We shouldn't just trust government. You want to trust government, that's a dangerous road you're going down. You know, I trusted uh, that James Comey was a straight shooter. And look at what he did and how many lives he destroyed. Everyone told me, oh, everything's above board. And now we're learning that evidence was actually changed and presented before the FISA court. That the court was lied to. Always question things. If you support President Trump, question President Trump. Question his motives. Question his actions. Question his policies. If you support Bernie Sanders, still ask questions. It's the most important thing you can do as a human being, especially when it comes to government and government power. See, Russia meddling has nothing to do with a particular candidate. It's about sowing seeds of chaos in the American political system. And these morons played right into Russia's hands for the last four years. Because of their irrational hatred for the president, they did something even the Russians didn't expect. This was a ragtag operation. This is like one of those things. You sit in a room, you think about things to do, and you say, all right, try it. It's not that expensive. Let's give it a go. And the results they got, the results they got were far better. They exceeded all expectations whatsoever. And, you know, I don't know. We're going to say that Russia putting out Facebook posts, we're going to say that that's a threat to the system, putting false information on the Internet. Now, let's be honest here. Yes, they do that, and they do want to create discord. But how many millions of Americans are pushing biased and false information on a regular basis? And who do you think has more power over the American people? Do you think when a family member or a friend or a professor, do you think when they send out information to people they know and it's incorrect, do you think that may have a bigger impact than someone sees some stranger's post that has tons of misspellings in it? What do you think has a bigger impact on the American electorate? I don't think anyone's going to change their vote based on a social media post. I don't think anyone's going to change their vote on that. People are more likely to believe those they have a relationship with, those that they know, those that they trust, not some stranger posting an ad. And I also don't believe that people go to social media to pick their candidate for president. I think most people that engage in political discussions online usually know who they're already voting for. And they go online to try and reinforce their opinions. See, that's what we call using logic. I am not all that concerned. I'm also not concerned because we have the Electoral College, the greatest electoral system, the election system in the entire world. In order to manipulate our election, in order to truly try and change the results of our election, you would have to interfere with several different elections. Remember, when we're electing a president of the United States, there are 51 simultaneous elections going on at the same time. 51. 
Every state has their own rules and their own procedures. So in order to try and change the results, you'd have to get involved in several states. That, that's an extremely difficult task. And guess what? Our founding fathers, one of the reasons they wanted the Electoral College was because it would prevent foreign interference. See how smart our founders are? But they're not done with Russia. It's amazing. Because now the establishment, the elite, the media, now they have a new target. It's not just Donald Trump. It's also Bernie Sanders. And don't you find it interesting that the night before the Nevada caucus, there are reports that are leaking out by the intelligence community that Russia is supporting Bernie's candidacies. Now, think about this. Okay, it turns out that the intelligence community went to Bernie Sanders' campaign about a month ago. They informed him that Russia may be meddling in a 2020 Democrat primary, and they informed him that he may be being supported by the Russians. That was a month ago. Why didn't it leak out a month ago? Why did it leak out the day before the Nevada caucus? I mean, how dumb do you think we are? Now, it may be plausible, given Senator Sanders' affinity for socialism in the Soviets, but let's be honest. It's clear as day that these leaks were designed to damage Bernie Sanders. They were designed to hurt Bernie Sanders. See, the Democrat establishment and the mainstream media are now full panic mode that Bernie may capture the Democrat nomination to run for president. Listen to these people. These people that haven't challenged him one bit this election season or in the last three years. Is anybody panicked besides me in that it does look like Sanders is rolling and that two-thirds of this country thinks we're going in the right direction and you have a guy who wants to burn it down? To me, he, I just don't see him having any shot in a general election. I'm panicked. What he said in the past about world affairs, how far left he is, I'm not sure how far left he is, but they're going to make the most of that in terms of world politics. They're going to kill him. But uh, I think it's a little late to stop him, and I think that's the problem. If you're voting for him because you think he'll win the election, because he'll galvanize heretofore uh, sleepy parts of the electorate, then politically, you're a fool. These people are deranged. They're, they're, they're demented. So now they're worried about socialism? That may have helped a couple of months ago. A year ago. See, this is the same media that praises the squad, the likes of uh, Senator Sanders, the congresswoman from uh, Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or, or Rashida Tlaib, or the one that married her brother, uh, Ilan Omar. They elevated these idiots, and now they're fearing that a socialist candidate may be able to win the Democrat nomination. You can't make this up. These people are so dumb. And what they don't realize is the more apoplectic they become, the better Bernie's going to do because people hate the media. People hate the establishment. And Democrats have a big problem on their hand. See, in the beginning of the 2020 Democrat primary, each of the candidates, they rushed out to each other in the race of who could be the most progressive, who could be the most woke. And the media encouraged and they pushed this. Who's going to give health insurance to illegal immigrants? Who's going to be the one to offer universal health care? Who's going to be the one to offer universal uh, education? Who's going to be the one to offer a universal pre-K system? Who's going to disband and dismantle ICE? Who's going to dismantle the Border Patrol? They pushed the Democrats to the far left. And the reality is different. See, most of the Democrat establishment and in, most in the mainstream media, they, they failed to remember that it was moderate candidates in 2018 that allowed Democrats to take control of the House of Representatives. In fact, with the exception of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a handful of others, most of the far-left candidates, they got destroyed. Most of them lost by wide margins. It was the candidates that pledged to work across the aisle, the planet candidates that pledged to negotiate with the president, the candidates that made the promise not to impeach the president.
Not that they actually followed through on that one. That ship sailed. But it was those candidates that won Democrats' power, not the far leftists. But the establishment, the moderates, the blue dog Democrats, they remained silent since 2017. Well, since Donald Trump won the election in November of 2016. Silence from them. Never pushing back. Never speaking up about the dangers of socialism. Never speaking up against the far left's agenda. They've been paralyzed with fear because they're cowards. They're cowards. They're scared that they're going to get viciously attacked by the mob. That Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is going to force them to be primaried. So they decided to keep their mouths shut. And they've allowed the socialists to take over the Democrat Party. See, Bernie's the front runner. We can't predict exactly what's going to happen. In two weeks, well, no, actually in a week, we have Super Tuesday. And we're going to have a good idea about where this race is going. But I think it's too late for the moderates to try and wrestle back control of the party. See, all those who advise the Democrat Party, they should be fired immediately because they have seriously misplayed their hands. And I could envision this ending in spectacular disaster for the establishment. If Bernie has the most delegates but doesn't secure the majority of the delegates, I can guarantee you the establishment's going to try and yank it from Bernie, and all hell is going to break loose. But for the Democrats, it's a lose-lose proposition because either they burn their party down by stealing it from Bernie Sanders or they allow the complete socialist takeover of the Democrat Party, and that's not going to help them either. See, if I was advising the Democrats, I'd say you have no choice. Take your chance with Bernie Sanders. Just right off the 2020 election. Just, it's not your year. Start preparing for 2024. Let the election take its natural course. Hope that Bernie loses the presidential election by a wide margin. And then this would allow the blue dog Democrats and the moderate Democrats to wrestle back control from the far left. Put the far left wing of the party. Put them in like exile. But the rise of Bernie is not a surprise to me. I saw it. And I'm warning every single Republican out there. I'm warning every single Trump supporter. Do not underestimate Bernie Sanders. Do not underestimate him. He has a loyal base who is definitely going to turn out. And there are many Democrats who know socialism would be a disaster for the United States, but they hate Trump so much that they're still willing to support Bernie Sanders because of their irrational hatred of Donald Trump. And and these idiots, I mean, and they are idiots, they, they openly state, well, socialism doesn't work. Socialism is bad. In fact, Bernie Sanders can't get anything he wants passed through Congress, but we're still going to support him. Yeah, that's a real winner for an electoral season. That's a real winning campaign message. Vote for me because I can't get my policies through. But I see all too often people that vote against their interests. I see all too often the idea of socialism becoming more real, more more attractive, especially to younger generations. People that have large medical bills, they look at socialism. They don't really know what it is, but they look at it. Yeah, we shouldn't have these medical bills. Those that have student loans and they can't find jobs, they look at socialism and say, yeah, why did we take out all these loans to get this piece of paper? And now I can't do anything with this piece of paper. See, people like Bernie Sanders, they try and wrap socialism with the idea of democracy, yet the two can never coexist with each other. There is no such thing as democratic socialism. But the numbers are showing that socialists are making gains because support for the idea of socialism has been growing in the United States for the last several years, and poll after poll is showing that. You have a Harris poll where 61% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 24 have a positive view of socialism, and 55% of women between the ages of 18 and 54 would rather live in a socialist country. In a Pew poll, 65% of Democrats have a somewhat positive to very positive view on socialism. And regardless of political party, 50% of those ages 18 to 29 view socialism in a positive light. 47% of those between the ages of 30 to 49 view socialism in a positive light. 
In a Gallup poll, 43% of Americans believe that socialism is a good thing, regardless of age. In 1942, that number was only 25%, 25%. If Bernie does win the nomination, this will be an election where the candidates cannot, cannot have any more of an opposite view where they see this country going. The differences are stark, and this will be one of the most critical junctures in our nation's history. Are we going to remain a country that relies upon freedom, relies upon liberty, that people can make decisions for themselves, that people are ultimately responsible for their own lives and their own destiny? Or are we going to go to a cradle-to-grave society where we think we're going to get the social benefits, where government's going to seize control of parts of our economy, if not all of the economy? Which direction are we headed in? So don't underestimate this guy. Remember what Karl Marx said. Karl Marx stated that socialism is simply the first phase of communism. Everyone should be reminded of that. We have to pay attention. We have to start getting out out there. We have to fight against socialism because we can never, ever become a socialist country. Everything will be destroyed. It never worked out well anywhere it's been implemented. So I encourage you to share this episode, get our message out there. As always, if there's a topic or issue you want to discuss, you want me to focus on, send an email to podcast.pasreport.com, podcast.pasreport.com. Take a moment, please write a review, 30 seconds, write some good things about the PAS report. That always helps us with the numbers and attracting more people to listen. And I want to thank you for joining us. I want you to stay safe and I'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the PAS Report Weekly Roundup Podcast. Podcast. Have a good one. Bye. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also, visit PASReport.com and follow us on Twitter at PASReport.